Hey everybody, Chris here with a few announcements and I'll try to blaze through them as quickly as possible. One, if you haven't yet, I highly recommend signing up for the newsletter. It's the easiest, quickest way to keep track of everything going on with Clean and Sober and Since right now, uh, once a week. Two, if you haven't yet signed up for Facing Addiction, Unite to Face Addiction on the Mall, October 4th in Washington, D.C., a great way to do it would be to sign up through uh, any of the links uh, on SenseRightNow.com. There's a banner on the front page and there's a, a banner in the sidebar on uh, the uh, the blog pages. And if you haven't yet and wouldn't mind, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review and a rating, uh, rating and or review, I should say, on iTunes. Even if you listen to us on a different service, it would be great. Uh, it'd be huge help to us. And, uh, you know, just the best rating and review you can uh, comfortably give us we'd appreciate um just your honest opinion and lastly we are and will continue to be as far as i know forever a free podcast um having said that you know we do have month monthly costs to you know maintain the site and the podcast and you know, we want to maintain the quality and improve the 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 quality and the offerings and and just how we do it and to that end uh i've set up a, a patreon account and you you essentially opt in for a, a recurring payment in our case per month um you know it can be as little as a dollar per month anything um essentially tossed in our tip jar we would greatly appreciate um but there's absolutely no uh no expectation or, or, or pressure on anyone to do so. Uh, we just, uh, you know, want to help basically defray some of the, the costs that we incur. When I say we, I mean me. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, thanks for listening to all that. And all of those links to all of that can be found on senserightnow.com. Most of it on senserightnow.com backslash PDCST, which is the podcast page on Clean and Sober. Um, okay, thanks a lot for listening and enjoy the show. This is how it works. You appear inside yourself. You take the things you like, then try to love the things you took. And then you take that love you made and stick it into some someone else's heart, pumping someone else's blood and walking arm in arm. You hope it don't get harmed, but even if it Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Make some noise for our guest tonight, Laura, Silverman of the Sobriety Collective. Hello. Hey, Laura. It's Chris. Hey. Hi. Hey, Chris. Hi, Laura. It's Jeff. 
Hey, Jeff. How's it going? It's going really good. It's really nice to meet you. Likewise, I know your voices so well. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about. Uh, we have a. Uh, there's somebody on on Twitter. Um, I can't think of their, their handle now, just because it's it's not easily pronounceable for me. But uh, they just found us this week, and they like binge listen. I think to every episode. I know who you're talking about because I was just that person just favorited a tweet of mine, and I, I looked back and Yeogia or something. Right. Right. <laughs> Yoja, um, I think. Hey, Yoja. Hey, Yoja. Um, hey, Yoja. <laughs> yeah, apologies if we're not pronouncing that correctly, but um, you can sure, spell us on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we're just—it's such an odd thing to know that there are so many people that know <laughs> know us by voice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so I think I told you in the pre-call, like when we call back, we just sort of chat for a minute, make sure everybody's comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, remembered to flush. Um, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then we uh, jump in if we're ready. We're ready? Yeah, we're sure. ready. Sure. Hit me. So Chris is going to do one of his patented, amazing uh, introductions that he likes. I'm waiting. I'm all ears like Ross Perot. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I <laughs> agonize over it, and literally today I thought, I've got to actually get – I've got to learn how to do it and be professional yeah. about it at some point. And then I thought, I don't know. It's it's who we are. It's just who you are, man. It's who we um, are. This but, is how it's done. I mean, like, I don't know if you're paying attention. Like, Anna Davids, I was mortified. I said, yeah. if you don't know who she is, I can't help you. <laughs> well, it's like, kind of true. I mean, like, you know, in the community. And, hey, the the British guy, the automated British guy will introduce me, so. Exactly. Um, and he works cheap, so. Yeah. Uh, but so, here, here we go. Yep. Tonight's guest. Yep. Laura, and I'm going to say your last name? Yep. Silverman. Mm-hmm. Um, Better known to the Twitterverse as We Are Sober of the Sobriety Collective yep. as our guest tonight. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that and let you amend yeah. or adapt from there. Yeah. Um, tell us about And, and tell us what, what you want to know about you as an introduction. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I figured this was coming, but <laughs> I don't really have any, you know, elevator speech in my back pocket. Sure. No. Um. Jeez. Okay. Well, I mean, let's see where to, where to begin. Well, for for those of you listening, I feel so formal. Um, <laughs> this is kind of how I am. I'm very ADD. Sure. It's going to get all over the place. You you can um, lead with like that. Good evening. Yes. Yeah. Good good evening <laughs> in a British accent. But um, you know, I really only started this in April right. of this year. Okay. So this um, is, this is pretty fresh. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. But mm-hmm. the thing is, and, and Jeff, I don't know how much homework you've done. <laughs> I've done some homework. I do like to do okay. a little homework. I read your story. I, I, I've noticed that with, with the guests. You always have something personal to chip in, but I, yeah. I just didn't know. Um, I am eight years sober. Yeah. So this this idea of mine was kind of born out of a desire to share some sort of a recovery community that was not just steeped in 12 step isms and 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with, with both of you and, and all of you guys listening, um, and I'm not going to keep doing that with the listeners. The fact is people are listening, <laughs> but I honestly had no idea that anything existed on the internet recovery related mm-hmm. at all. I don't think we did either until we got there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, absolutely nothing. So, 
and and we can get into this uh, as you ask more questions, but I mean, I have been in the program, so I've been in and out, and I was always sort of, was always hammered in that anonymity was key and, you know, internet is bad, not really bad. Okay, so I'm exaggerating, but, but, you know, you can't talk about recovery on the internet. So I never even bothered to, to look anything up. And when I left the program, I just kind of did stuff on my own. I, I did recovery the way I knew how at the time. And, and then I just kind of felt like I was missing having sober people in my life. And I, I thought I needed to share my story more publicly. So that's kind of where it started. And it, it, it's grown from there. Yeah. So, so were you, you had been sober for eight years, were going to AA, had this program around the thing. And did, yeah, I think lots of people hit a, a plateau in the program. It's mm-hmm. easy to, you know, and it's always about seven years. You've gone to the same thing. You've heard these things a lot. Daily, daily drinking is not your problem anymore. So you just kind of had this moment where you wanted to do something else or, yeah, something was missing, I guess, right? And it wasn't even that long, right? It wasn't seven. It was like a couple of years, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, so I think both of you are right, and both of you are missing some pieces, too. Oh. <laughs> well, fill us in. Yeah. Okay, so I stopped going to AA on a regular basis about four years ago. Okay. I was going... Okay, so basically I was not given a choice when I first started out. I had to go to AA. Right, you were getting your paper signed. Yep. Yeah. And... um and I, I was encouraged to continue after I graduated from my rehab. So I went, but I never really felt like I fit in. And I know a lot of us who, who are program people felt the same way in the beginning. So I, I really did try to give it a good solid chance. I found someone I, I, she had something that I liked. So I asked her to be my sponsor, but nothing was clicking and I just didn't, I just didn't feel it. So I went back for my anniversaries, my, my month anniversaries at that point. And then at about a year, I was like, okay, I'm, I mean, it wasn't a conscious decision where I, where I reached a year and I was like, see ya, you know, yeah. it just kind of happened that I stopped going. And then it was about, it was my three year anniversary. And I, I went back to a meeting once a year to get my chip and maybe some people will be naysayers, but I, I like chips because they remind me of a year commemorated doing, doing life this way. So, so I went back for my chip on my third year and I was with a bunch of old timers (laughs) and I was, I was really, I was, I think I was the only girl in the room too, which is depending on the meeting you go to kind of often. Um, and, and one of the guys there suggested that I go to a meeting that was known as a young people's meeting. And I was like, okay, didn't know there were other young people. Seriously. I thought I was the only 24 year old who was going through (laughs) this in the world. (laughs) So I went and it became my home group and I got service positions and I got a sponsor. I went through all 12 steps. Mm -hmm. I was reading the literature and I really, really did try to embrace it. Um, and, and it worked for me for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And and then it just kind of didn't work anymore. And I felt like something was wrong with me because I was one of those unfortunates who just didn't get it. And um, I don't know. I just felt like if I, – I, I mean, I was told in the literature that, you know, if and, – and Jeff, I, 
I am curious to see what you have to say about this, but yeah. um, basically, like, if you if you don't do it, so AA kind of says that you know they don't have a monopoly on recovery yet. Right. They basically say if you don't do it their way, then you're a dry drunk. Yeah. So, well, yeah. and, and that, hmm. no, go ahead. Oh no, I, yeah, I think I think that you know the AA and then the individual members of AA often we that's a good point. We cross them up. I think I think you're absolutely right. The literature and Bill Wilson and we went to Akron and I think the the idea of AA is that that the organization doesn't have monopoly and doesn't. These are all suggestions, but I do think there's lots of old timers in meetings who just have seen seen their fair share of slips and guys going out and not going to meetings. And so I think they absolutely right within the groups you get this sense that if you don't do it this way you're going to drink again yeah as expressed by the the and, crocodiles as they're called you know, and i think the we, old guys the i old, think we know that just about any organization that relies on a big book of any sort yeah. for its um you know <laughs> for it has its has its dogmatic practitioners that interpret it yeah. that can also misinterpret it yeah. or interpret it in in, in various ways and yeah. i'm referring of course to religion um, right <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so, but what was I'm curious? Like after a year and a half, where you you had done all this stuff, worked the steps in this young people's meeting, was well, yeah. Like, what was this feeling? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I never fully felt like I belonged there. Okay. And and they say fake it till you make it. So I was so doing that, that, but I I just kept feeling like I was faking it. Yeah. And um, I I struggled with the higher power thing. I mean, obviously, I know that there's. I'm more on the agnostic spectrum. I'm a mm-hmm. secular Jew. I mean, I eat bacon and it's delicious. <laughs> uh, shellfish oh too. <laughs> I think you're gonna get more in trouble for That's that, a right? Big confession. Maybe, maybe. Right. But I mean, I think people know anyway. No, if, if they don't know it, then they know it now. But um, I knew that there was something out there. I, I, you know, I. But I just, I really struggled with the praying and doing the seventh step prayer and the third step prayer. It all was very rote to me. And I just, I don't know there. And and there wasn't this light bulb moment that said, okay, you've, you've worked the steps, you've done the program. It's time to do something else. It just kind of gradually happened. And then I started getting a lot more panic attacks, which has anxiety has permeated my life, Mm. but I was just starting to feel more and more anxious around the rooms. And I was like, I just need a break. And that break kind of became a long-term break. And I I was always into reading recovery memoirs and self-help books. And um, I don't know, it just kind of turned into I like my life now and I'll keep going back if I need to, I mean, God bless the responsibility statement because, and, and for those who don't know, it basically, oh, Jeff, what is it? Um, I am responsible. Right? Yes. When anyone, anyone, right. right. I mean, you know, um, yeah, like for, for those who need it, it's yeah. there. That's, yeah. that's, that's the essence of it. Yep. If you, if you need the program, it will the be chair, there. The and chair is always open. You're absolutely yes. right. You always yes. have a chair. And I love that. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about the program, actually, just knowing that it'll be there, A, for millions of people who need it, and B, for me, if I ever need it again. And, you know, I I like doing recovery my own way. And for a long time, I felt like that wasn't okay because AA said that you had to do it their way. Ooh. (laughs) But I realized that it's just, you know, 
everyone does things differently. Even people within the program do things differently. And I've learned that there's so much, there's just such a wide recovery spectrum that I didn't know about. So, but it's it's funny. And this is a really interesting thing because I think. You know, eight, the people, they tell you to go to lots of meetings because you get squirrely when you're away from recovery. You're not thinking about it. And, the, you know, you take a week off a meeting and all of a sudden your thoughts start creeping in and that alcoholic mind starts kicking in. And, and meetings give you perspective on a weekly basis mm-hmm. or a daily basis or however many. You mm-hmm. just are reminded what you are. So I'm curious, in today's day and age, you're, you think about recovery often, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without means, like you run this site, you mm-hmm. do you have like this daily program or this daily reminder. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And up until I actually launched my my site and all the social media that surrounds it, yeah. I didn't really consciously have what people could call a program. I mean, I, I do have a therapist who I see on a pretty regular basis. Okay. Um, I see my family a lot, and and to me that's really important. I make time for my friends, although lately it's been it's been really busy, and most of them are most of them are married, so we all have stuff going on. But but friends and family and therapy and reading recovery memoirs and self help books, exercising, being out in nature is really key for me. Just I I go hiking or bike riding with my boyfriend and. Um, you know, and then of course I, I do try to just incorporate the things that I did like from from the program into my life, and I, I wrote a piece about that actually, where mm-hmm. you know just the principles of being a, a good person, and yeah. that's I was listening actually. Hey Holly and, and Laura, I was listening to their podcast on the way home from work today about dissecting the first few steps and how they applied to their lives. Home and podcast by... Home, uh, yeah, this is, this is Home podcast, Hollywood Occur and, and Laura McCowan. Night and Hip Sobriety. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and, 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 I mean, obviously AA isn't the only program that talks about being a good person. I mean, just about every sort of... I think every sort of organized religion has some component of that in... in in their dogma, not necessarily in, in practice by everybody, but right. yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Where am I going? So w- what's my daily program? Well, yeah, like I said, it b- before it was just kind of living my life, mm-hmm. you know, sober. Yeah, but, could, can, yeah. I, I just want to put a mark in that for a second. Yeah. So can you just clarify, at what point did you stop the, going to AA on a regular basis? About years four ago. years ago. And so when you, when you say living your life sober, when you, as you were doing that, and here's why I'm curious, just because I spent mm-hmm. such a huge part of mine in the wild living it sober without really thinking about it. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. and it took me to, it eventually led me astray. I'd say if anything, I hate the term dry drunk, but I feel like I eventually turned it back into one or something. A little bit. So when you were doing that, were you very conscious about it or was it just a state of being? Because there's something to be said for that yeah. too with not... Well, thinking about it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a combination, really. Um, it was sort of a state of being, but at the same time, I was all, I've been, I mean, I'm hyper vigilant about not ingesting any alcohol mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I know it's not just about alcohol, it's about living a good life and being a better person, but um, 
I can I could go to bars if I wanted right now. I don't really want to uh, if I have a good reason to be there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you know, if there's like if there's like a goodbye happy hour. Yeah, but I can be around alcohol, but I always have to remind myself that I've been down that nasty, scary, terrible, horrifying, mortifying everything path. So even though I don't necessarily always think about it, I'm always thinking about it. Does that make sense? Sort of maybe. Um, but to your points, um, I was kind of feeling that squirrely feeling of, I don't really have what I would call a, a program anymore or at all. And I want to connect with other sober people and I didn't want to go back back to AA, at least not as a fully practicing member, Mm -hmm. if you will. So that's when I was like, well, I'm going to try something that I'd been sort of thinking about, thinking that I was like going to be a pioneer. (laughs) I had no idea that any, all of this amazing stuff. I mean, I think, I think Chris, you're, your site was one of the first that I discovered and I talked to Dan and um, Maggie, but I mean, I just, I honestly had no idea. And, and that's become sort of a program for me and all of you guys have sort of become my sober network. Um, And and it's just been really amazing. And I mean, we have, we have our ups and downs too. So it's just like everything. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, recently a theme has been everyone in the, in the guests recently, it's like, Everyone got sober at AA and has great things to say about it, but lots of people aren't really going. And I'm curious if now digital recovery and digital, this whole digital world can sustain people. Mm. I you to. You know what I'm saying? I think, I mean, I'll let Laura answer, it's but I think that's the way it's headed to a large degree. If not, not exclusively, but it's yeah. certainly a massive, um, massively, massively valuable. It's yeah. a very valuable yeah. recovery piece that just didn't exist. I mean, it certainly didn't when I got sober. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Me neither. I mean, well, especially for you, Chris. <laughs> but even for me, I'm, I'm eight years old. ago, there really, <laughs> there really wasn't. I mean, I mean, you think about how the internet advances every year, even every every couple of months. Right, yeah. Thinking back, two thousand seven. I mean, there there just wasn't mm-hmm. what there is now. Right. Yeah. We, we should build a little sponsor app. That will you can type in your question and it'll spit out what your sponsor would tell you. Well, I think there are a lot. Of, I mean, there are a lot of people on that job. It's crazy. I mean, all elements of the digital recovery realm. Yeah. I mean, and Laura can attest to this. Yeah. It's just exploding, right? Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Tons of people are recovery coaches, and yeah. there are also, um, which I think has has its value because not everyone wants to get a traditional sponsor. and you know that's okay but I kind of you know in the beginning I was like I want this to be my life now but it's like I don't feel comfortable making money necessarily Mm -hmm. off of what I'm doing right now but it's kind of launching me into wanting to work in the field of Mm -hmm. of advocacy and public policy and thinking about my next steps because if, I don't even want to talk about my regular work, but it's just not fulfilling. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to talk about your regular work? No. Not really. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm a consultant. Okay. That's kind of what, uh, it's a typical DC answer, but it's, yeah. 
it's true. And I've had some great experiences, so I'm, I'm, I'm not bashing anything, but it's just not filling me up. Sure. And when I, I need we to can understand that. Yeah. Hey, could we back up a little bit? And not, mm, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you've listened enough and you know we don't really do deep drunk logs, but, you know, wherever it goes, it goes. But yeah. I'm just curious. So you talked about eight years ago you were in rehab. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and, and and just for the sake of listeners, just you know, I know that your story's on on your site, it's on my site, and a variety of other places. But, um, where where were you at that point, and and sort of who was involved in that that decision? Mm, that's a great question. Okay, so basically, what kind of what happened? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves... Meeting coffee. How cool is that? Official coffee of the Sense Right Now podcast. Yeah. The what happened part. Um, Well, let me just try to make this as concise as possible, but... And forgive me if if I'm spitting out some programisms, but... <laughs> I, I know Jeff is a fan. I'm a fan. Like, <laughs> well, I don't think I'm not. No, I'm not, I, not a fan, right? I know. I, the team. I'm very much in the middle. I'm not diehard AA. Would you but recommend I'm, it for people though? If someone came to you right now and was like, I, I hey, mean, quit drinking. What do I do? do? A lot of people who aren't in the program have said it, and I think Chris said it too. And and um, Sasha, one of Sasha Zimmerman Skoblik, mm-hmm. one of my. Idols and the and the personal idol is putting a little. She's she's a recovery memoir idol mm-hmm. of mine. Anyway, she she said that yeah, I would absolutely recommend mm-hmm. AA to someone because it's a great start and you can decide if it's for you mm-hmm. or you can decide if it isn't for you. And no one in AA should force you to do anything, but it's this massively established entity that's like everywhere. And why not start there? But so, yeah, I would absolutely recommend that. But I would uh, have the caveat that it's okay if it doesn't work for you. And there are definitely other ways to get sober. And I do it X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But try something for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened um, to fast forward things, I was I started drinking in college. I was a fairly goody two shoes in high school and didn't didn't drink in high school. But. I mean, I, I tried it, but I didn't really get started until college. And everybody around me was, I seemingly just fell into this group of binge drinkers. And so my behavior didn't strike me as anything yeah. out of the ordinary because all my other, all my friends were, were drinking to excess as well. Really so it's hard. And it's college. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, a, there's this great movement now of, you know, collegiate recovery, but that I don't really think any of that existed back when I was in school and you know what if it did I wouldn't have really been mindful of it because I wasn't I wasn't ready yeah no I I wouldn't even have known I don't know if I said it when Ivana was on Ivana was on but I I wouldn't even have no cared right no no I mean I was having fun at that point it was still mostly fun and then it became fun with problems and then it became just problems and the just problems section of my drinking was the two years after I graduated from college I got hospitalized twice in those in that span of two years. For and yes, alcohol related poisoning. Alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get my stomach pumped, but I was hospitalized twice for 
alcohol poisoning and mostly just being rescued off the street because I was that far gone. Right, just super mm. wasted. I was kicked out of a bar once. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought that would be me, but yes, it was. It was definitely me. Wow. So. Yeah, that that last time. Now, a lot it's funny because I I love hearing about what made people want to stop. And there are so many people and and even so many of your guests have said that there wasn't really one thing. It just kind of became Mm -hmm. just too much. But for me, I did have this sort of dramatic fireworks explosion of, you know, don't ever do this again kind of thing. Um, I was in New York City for the first time in my life. I was going to see a concert with a with a coworker of mine at the time who I thought was naturally going to babysit me because I wasn't accountable for myself. And I should have known that he <laughs> did not care really because you know, he was snorting cocaine with mm. his friends when we went up there and I'd never seen that before. I mean, I I, I didn't pride myself on being a prude nor was I, you know, a drunk at that point. Interesting. But I'd never seen that in my life. So I was like, uh, and then I just carried on and kept drinking. Um, and for what it's worth, I, I, I was told after the fact, and I'll, and I'll get to what happened that this person and his friends were looking for me, that they were trying to track me down. All I can tell you is what I remember. And it, and it ain't that much. Right. <laughs> Uh, as Sarah Heppel, I would say, I love that I'm name dropping everything, yeah, but yeah. Um, I experienced a major brownout that night, mm-hmm. just on the cusp of a blackout. But I remember enough small pieces that I can kind of tell you what happened. So I was at Madison Square Garden, not a small venue, mm-hmm. and um, I hadn't really had much to to eat that day. I was mostly just subsisting on drinking, and. Basically, the next thing I knew, a police officer asked me to remove myself from the from a gentleman's lap. <laughs> next thing I knew, I was running around the lobby um, with just one flip flop, no purse, screaming, crying, drunk babbling. Mm. And then the next thing I knew, I was actually outside of the venue going up to random people, asking them if they knew where my phone was. But... But I thought I was saying this in English, but nothing really coherent was coming out of my Mm. mouth. And I was told after the fact, um, because I don't remember what happened after that, but apparently I was taken to a hospital in New York City because there was no other safe place for me and they couldn't identify me. I didn't have any of my things Uh. with me. I woke up that next morning. It was around seven in the morning. I was definitely still drunk. Um, but I had come to, and I had no idea where I was. And I was just this absolute sheer terror and panic and guilt and what happened and what did I do? Yeah. And I'd felt that so many times before, but this time I was like, I kind of yeah, scary yeah, because I, you're in a for, uh, scary city. Never been there before. I'm sure. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was yeah. terrified. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also, I mean, in, in the pokey, that's not good. Yeah, well, that <laughs> I wouldn't want to come to in, in a jail cell, but at least you're, you know, yeah. well, anyway. Um, so I, I don't know how many details I should I should really give because I could go on forever. But point is that I, I reconnected with my cousin who I was supposed to stay with. Yeah. And the way I found her was 
through calling the only number that I had memorized, because who really memorizes cell phone numbers these days? My grandma at the time was still alive. Grandma. And I I knew her number because it hadn't changed since I was a kid. So I called her and I lied to her. And I felt terrible doing it, but it was the only way that I could get my cousin's phone number to get reconnected. And meanwhile, apparently someone had turned my purse into the security guards and it's my phone still had battery. And I mean, everything was still there. Like amazing. I, I, I know that was what I attributed to some sort of guardian angel slash sure. power something, because I mean, I I had an inhaler in my purse that was still there and you'll get a kick out of this because the inhaler wasn't for asthma. It was for what I thought was asthma, but was really anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, the doctor didn't know any better. They just thought that I was having these like symptoms of hyperventilation. Wow. (laughs) So anyway, I so we I got my purse the next day with my cousin, and I still had my bus ticket back to D.C. There, I mean everything was there. So. I went back to D.C. I'm just going to fast forward the rest of the, yeah. the trip because it was pretty shame-filled and panic-filled. And I got back and I was like, what am I going to do? My parents at the time were living abroad because my dad was a, a diplomat. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know what to do. So I called work and told them, gave them some flimsy excuse that I needed to take a few days off and... I mean, I knew something was going on with me. I wasn't stupid, but I I was still somewhat in denial. I called the number on the back of my health insurance card Hmm. for substance abuse and mental health issues. Hmm. And I made an appointment that day with a counselor. And she had me go through the checklist. And I said yes to just about everything. Are you an alcoholic checklist? And But at the end, I was like, "I I don't know if I have a problem. She's like, why did you come here? I was like, huh. Good, <laughs> Good point. I got lost. So, yeah, and then, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so she recommended that I that I be a part of her group therapy intensive outpatient rehab thing, but that she couldn't make the decision for me. So I the best decision I ever made, I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. And... So, I mean, no one forced me into it. It wasn't an intervention. My parents didn't push me towards this because, frankly, they didn't really know the gist of everything that was going on with me. And um, and I think because I was, I had that willingness, I, I mean, I was scared out of my mind, but I, I knew I needed to change somehow. And I don't think I was thinking in terms of forever, even if I, even if I was, that word scared me yeah. so much because it was like, oh, but how am I going to survive? I'm in my 20s. Everyone's mm-hmm. drinking. Yeah. But I started to, I just started to develop this small sort of glimmering sense of pride that even, even though my pride was taken away from rather my dignity, every time I had to blow into a breathalyzer at every session and, you know, get those papers signed at meetings, I still felt like, wow, I'm not relying on alcohol right now. And I have a hell of a lot of problems where I could easily be drinking right now. And all of, all of the people in my rehab cohort, um, their sobriety dates kept changing because we had to decide ours at the beginning of class, I guess. Mm-hmm. And mine 
kept staying the same. And that's kind of how it began. I just, I liked, I liked building this clean time. Sure. So and then, the, the, yeah. the collective that you were in, they were the ones that required you to go to meetings and sign things. That's who you were held accountable to. It wasn't a Wait. court order court ordered or anything it was just this wait therapy the, thing that that I, the thing that i started the collective no no no, wait, the, no. the outpatient rehab the outpatient oh. rehab yeah yes yeah so it was it was i don't even know if you would call it like 12-step facilitation but it was um it wasn't court ordered right but it was it was ordered through the behavioral health program that I had enrolled in. Yeah. I couldn't graduate from that unless I had these papers signed. Yeah. And and like if you uh, but but I guess blowing a positive wasn't grounds for like being kicked out. You just started over. I don't I don't I have no idea cuz I, I I never saw that. No oh, one actually no one actually was drunk in in or had stuff in their system. I swear when they came, yeah. Right. But that, but that's interesting. So do you think the accountability of that got you through? Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? If you wouldn't have the accountability so. to do that. Yes, you wouldn't abs- without a doubt. Yeah, and I really liked that group. Mm-hmm. That sort of, I mean, I didn't really know these people, but they were going through something with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that sort of group aspect. And it wasn't an AA meeting. It was just a therapy. It was a group therapy. It was group therapy, Yeah. And AA felt a lot different to me. It was a group, but, you know, there's no crosstalk, so it's all taking turns and listening to speakers. And, and, and that has its value, too, but it was very different from what I had just come from. Yeah. So it was a different kind of group dynamic. Yeah. That is interesting. I guess I, I never really um, considered the notion of outpatient rehab. Yeah. Um, I couldn't afford it inpatient, and I didn't have the time to take off of work. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, no. It's yeah, not, so. So what was it, like once a what, week or? <laughs> nice try. Oh. No, it was. <laughs> it was every, every day. <laughs> I don't know how it was. Three nights three a week. Ti- three, times a week yeah, three times a week, two-hour session each time Whoa. for five weeks, yeah. and 15 hours of Alcoholics Anonymous. Nice. Wow. That's yeah. Intense. So when you're done yeah. with that, like you, you've got a really good grounding. You've got you've got a pretty solid grounding, yeah, because you've got you've got a little over a month of sobriety. If you if you do the program right, then you've got a month under your belt, and we all know what a month feels like. I mean, you start to think a little more clearly. I mean, you're still totally fresh, yeah, and, yeah, but but you're like, huh, things are a little different now. So yeah, that that got me started, and then I kept going to AA. And I think I needed it. I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if I didn't really get it, I, I definitely needed it. So that's kind of, yeah. And was the therapy, is it like uh, group therapy trying, is the, you know, in AA, it's trying to get people to do the steps and surrender and, and get that started or just showing up and not drinking. Did, do they deep drive and try to find why you started drinking and it's, it's because of this and it's just getting this off out of you, all the shame and guilt? Or what is, you know, what is that process like? That's that's a damn good question. But it was <laughs> a long time. A long time. That's it was a long time ago, and um, I don't honestly. I, I know we had at least one or two one-on-one sessions with our counselor. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it was like imagine having a substitute teacher. You would watch a movie in class, like so. Sometimes we would watch Intervention. 
Oh, and yeah. and other times that's we would awesome. watch, you know, whatever other documentary du jour. Hmm. Um, but it was so. It was a, like I said, it was a two-hour session. No, did I say yeah? Two-hour yeah, session. Yeah. So one hour would be discussion uh, based on like a facilitated topic. And we would all be, we would get handouts, and I mean it was very educational. Come to think of it, um, and then the, the second hour would be watching something, and you know, was there like people... homework, like read memoirs or anything like that? Or... <laughs> I think the homework was just to not don't drink, drink and do drugs, yeah, drink. <laughs> and to come back the next time. Yeah. Um, but there was, I mean, it was kind of a motley crew of people. Sure. There were some older folks, some who had been intervened on, others who had to do it because of their jobs. And there were very few people who had sort of voluntarily signed up for it. I was one of the only ones who had come on my own accord yeah. or on their own accord. So I don't think it was like a narcissistic thing or anything, but I definitely felt like that set me apart a little bit because I was there for myself. Yeah, yeah you weren't court-ordered. I'm really, I'm really fascinated. Am I... Am I naive like i feel like the notion of uh, outpatient rehab sounds like a terrific thing but doesn't get talked that much about does it i don't even know i mean i mean that sounds maybe. like a, i mean it sounds like it really makes sense there's the a couple places in town that you can do the exact same oh, thing really? i wonder if it's cost prohibitive or insurance yeah. is not covered i don't know huh. but they, i mean there's a there's a term for it and which i've just learned iop intensive outpatient mm-hmm. program mm-hmm. i think is that is that what that no yeah, yeah. Intensive outpatient, right. right. So, I mean, come to think of it, I, I didn't even know that that's what I did until I said it to someone. They're like, oh, yeah, that's IOP. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you know oh. me. Well, well, back in the day, yeah. all the old-timers, everyone <laughs> nice. here uh, went to 30-day treatment. Like, lots of guys went to treatment back when mm-hmm. insurances used to pay for treatment. So everyone ultimately went and did that. And I don't think that happens anymore. So I think this is, this is the alternative for that, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of three times a One week. One of them, yeah. Right. With, hmm. It's a group therapy session but yeah i agree like we haven't really explored that on this and all i had to pay was my copay yeah. so i think at the time it was like ten dollars a session which was i mean think about it Fantastic. let me let me do the math uh what is that thirty dollars a week mm-hmm. so 150 no i'm terrible at math but it's not a lot of money no it's not i mean i'm trying to do it too but yeah it's not it's, <laughs> as far as a i'm a, stalling a month of of intense rehab yeah. i mean it really sounds pretty amazing i can't believe that it's i don't know why it's i feel like it's it's under but it doesn't work for everyone chris that's another thing it doesn't it, it, doesn't, doesn't, work. it doesn't work for everybody no i know well nothing does does it yeah. no but i mean i mean some people need that round the clock treatment other yeah. people benefit from what i benefited from and other people don't that kind of structure is just, yeah, it just doesn't work for them. So, I mean, I think I was very fortunate in that I wanted to get something out of it. I mean, I didn't have the vocabulary then to really tell you what I'm telling you now, Mm -hmm. but I, I knew that I wanted to accomplish something. And I also, I mean, I had, I had nothing more to lose. Mm. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Was anyone in your family alcoholic? No, no I am the only person in my family with this kind of history. Wow. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But part of me always wants to go that you know of. <laughs> That's also true. Um, now I know. I know that some family members of mine have anxiety. Yeah. Which. 
is something that I definitely drank over or or whatever the term is. I mean, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, OCD, Uh, not like, Oh my God, I'm so OCD. No. I mean like (laughs) obsessive compulsive disorder, like absolutely a hundred percent. And, um, and panic attacks. Like, so and you've always I, had these. These are just part of your makeup. Yep. Until you yep. and drinking just calmed all, took all that away. Oh yeah. Plus, it made me popular. <laughs> and yeah. as someone who was bullied for just about almost all of elementary school, all of middle school, and even some of high school, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I I didn't realize that like drinking could make me feel cool and I mean we've heard it so it sounds so cliche but just all the inhibitions went away Mm -hmm. and I felt so like I mean you should see me right now I'm just gesturing I'm like I felt so amazing and just everything kind of fell away and and I felt like the me that I wanted to be and that I wanted people to perceive And, and what's going on with all those things today like the OCD and the anxiety and all that stuff is it well, <laughs> so, just curious because like, I think yeah. all those they all play together. In all some co-occurring. Way. I mean, yeah. we. I mean, sure. yeah, we're all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, can I feel like I haven't let you guys talk very no, no, much? No, no, please. Well, <laughs> no, you. You're the guest. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> okay yeah. if you insist. Um, well, as we all know, once you stop drinking, then you start dealing with all the stuff that you drink to cover up so i definitely have everything still but um getting sober was the catalyst for seeking out mental health professionals so i started a course of antidepressants which i needed to kind of um keep the anxiety levels at bay now i never actually took anything like xanax because for me i didn't want to get hooked on something else and i'd i'd heard that that's somewhat of an addictive yeah. medicine but um i've been on an antidepressant for for eight years now um i finally found a therapist about three or four years ago that i really connected with so i see him somewhat regularly maybe twice a month and um the ocd is something that i actually still really really struggle with and the medication doesn't really help it hmm. um I read books and articles, and but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it, it just gets really bad where I can't. I have trouble focusing. I'm also very ADD. So with that, and and for what OCD is for me, is that I don't know if you guys have seen as good as it gets with Jack and Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have seen. It. It's been a while. Well, yeah. And that's extreme. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with stepping on cracks. I'm not a hand washer. Most of my stuff is stuff that the outside person can't see because it's mental. Yeah. Mental repetitions, mental mm-hmm. compulsions, and then all sorts of obsessions that can just creep up and get triggered by something, just anything random, really. And so the fact that I'm conscious of this, talk to my therapist about it, and, and work towards just I, I work on it sure but it's it's always going to be there and yeah. i just yeah i haven't had a lot of success with that part so that's still something that i struggle with and and that's okay for now yeah. well yeah, and that's it's interesting i mean that's an element of what you're involved with that 
I mean, I, I only am to some degree, but I mean, you, you do a lot more discussion about like the mental health yeah. issues, but, um, you know, I think it's like, it's like anything else. It's like the more we can talk about it and not feel shame yeah. about things like that. Um, you know, I try to you know, I talk about depression and anxiety yeah. and, you know, being on medication to destigmatize mm-hmm. that, that it's, you know, it's, there's medication that's okay, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, that it didn't change who I was, which I was very afraid of before I started it. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. And, you know, we spend so, so long getting rid of the substances that we were doing, uh, that were doing us harm that I think maybe you felt the same way, but I was, I had a lot of trepidation about adding, <laughs> adding drugs back to, to my system. Um, but you know, yeah. Um, so tell, yeah, tell us a little, the, the, just to bring it back to the site. Yeah. Mm. I'd love to hear just your vision for it today, what you're, mm-hmm. what you're looking for to put on it and what just, you know, all the things that, that you started this thing for. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, let's see. I feel so honored, by the way. <laughs> I just, I, I'm, well, it's, I'm it's very great, humbled. You're, you know, anyone in this thing that can just lay it all out there is very brave and courageous and reading your story today and some of the posts, you're, you're a terrific communicator and a really good writer. So, Thanks. Uh, congratulations, and yeah, but I, yeah, just the what you see this thing becoming, or what you at its best, what it is. Well, so hmm. what I really wanted, and and again, I'm I'm going to sound a little naive here, but I honestly did not know that there were other sites out there where people shared their recovery stories. Yeah. So that's initially why I started. I wanted this sort of collective of sober people who are making contributions to their communities, to society, to culture. I I saw like writers and photographers and artists, kind of modern bohemian types. But, you know, it's it's anybody really, just anybody who wants to talk about it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's this relatively new site called The Real Edition where people can kind of be their own sort of blog masters on this master site. And we had Jason on. And you had Jason on, right. So, I mean, in case anyone currently listening hasn't gone, they should go because, you know, you get that opportunity to put your own story up kind of almost immediately on the spot. And then, and then there's, there's your resource, Chris, where you've got, um, you've got stories, but you've also got, um, you know, you got this new comic and you've got like the past imperfect stuff and obviously the podcast, which is sort of the heart and soul of everything. And so I guess putting it in that kind of concept context, excuse me, I kind of feel like I'm somewhere in the middle, but I mean, you know, Jeff, I don't know really what my future vision is. I, um, I just want it to, I just want it to continue really. And, and, and to reach more people to talk about, these kind of things to talk about. And, and I do sort of, like Chris said, I, I weave in that mental health component a lot because it's what I deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. So recovery, mental health, and and quirkiness and offbeatness and just, I, I don't have an, a, a concrete answer, no, but the, I, I want it to continue. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, I mean, it's not like... I, I, yeah, and I don't know that it's a concrete answer that 
But uh, the thing is, you know, you can evolve as you go. I mean, quite frankly, when I started what I'm doing, mm-hmm. it was with the exact same, you know, naivete, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, I'm going to start a website and I'm going to collect people's recovery stories. And I got on the web and I'm like, oh, what? what? That's <laughs> happening already? Um, yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's, it was just recently that I looked at my about page where it said that's, you know, it still sort of described the site that way. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not really what's happening exactly. Right. And so, you know, I sort of quickly um, evolved. And I just, you know, I never, I haven't stopped yet to think about what yeah. this thing is. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that, that's fine. And I think, um, you know, you're, you're doing it. And, you know, you have a... Uh, an indomitable enthusiasm yeah. that, that is infectious. Well, and that's um, uh-huh. and that's honestly, honestly, Laura. I mean, it it is. It's um, and I think it's a great strength. Um, and uh, you know, so I think you know, it it it'll become what it what it becomes as it becomes that, if that makes sense. Right. Well, and it's funny because I think uh-huh. a lot of people who don't ultimately in AA, you when you go to meetings for a really long time, I go to the same meetings, and I would say for me, the meeting's boring. I go because there's a newcomer every now and then, and mm-hmm. I know that if I don't show up, you know, you just kind of want to give back. It gave me so much, so I go, and yeah, all my friends are there and whatever, we hang out. But I think what you guys are doing with mm. this, it's keeping you sober, number he's, one. He's pointing at you on you. the screen yeah, and me. pointing at you on the screen and you. <laughs> With my but, beautiful face there. This effort has keeps you sober every week, definitely. Keeps you in the grounded in recovery, mm. both of you. Mm. But it's your give back, right? Yeah. That's what it ultimately is. Your your balanced mm. enthusiasm for sobriety is gonna it will help people. Just mm-hmm. period. Which is totally cool. So if it's just that, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I think so. I mean I'm I still kind of feel somewhat like a new kid on the block because I'm not new to sobriety, even though I have no, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. eight years in, it's still, you know, I I still have so much to learn. And and that's another thing I'm, I'm learning and taking suggestions and just trying to, just trying to be a a positive voice. But I was actually telling Chris in the pre-call that, that it's sometimes hard to, to be that positive voice when I'm going through something and this mm-hmm. week has been really rough and just uh, you know I think we ne- we never even got to talk about the drunk dialing business and, and that's probably okay but <laughs> I was a oh, right. major drunk dialer that's, I actually I forgot about that I went through I, I've been no I had been known let, let's keep it in the past tense sure. to go <laughs> through my whole phone book and drunk dial absolutely everybody. Oh my, wow. that, that <laughs> and then and then some of those voicemails would be replayed to me oh uh, later. Oh. Like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. That's pro level drunk dialing. I guess I would. I would even wait for the voicemail. Yeah, but um, I'm just I'm I'm really grateful to be where I am now, and um, and it, I, I imagine that we're winding down. No, so are you going to act? Like, at this point, oh. we'll see you in DC, right? That's exactly. <laughs> October. You don't even have to ask me. I am right. so You'll there be yeah. because I live here I for starters. You're already there. You're there. Um, She's and on a tent on the mall. That's yes, cool. absolutely. I guess. We'll I guess. To, but we. I always think it's great to travel with the townie. When you go mm-hmm. to towns, if you can travel with someone who lives there, you have to tell us the little ins and outs, where to go eat. Well, you've know. got so, you've got some good people. Right. Because, We've got wow. Mags yeah. and Laura and Joe and. 
Scott, who you're going to have as a guest. And Scott, right, who we're having and, as a guest. And um, we're probably going to all get all together and get some good food exactly. at his restaurant. Ooh. Right, let's yeah. have Scott who, at the Argonaut. Um, yep. Hey, Scott. Scott, hey, Scott. And, his, and his wife. Uh, Shireen. Shireen. Um, yeah, that's great. It's exciting. So it is yeah. exciting. It's, like, it's not that far away, really. I know. Like, oh, no, no, it really We're isn't. Ready. And yeah, and the facingaddiction.org website has has really grown it since has. since we first started talking about this. So there's a lot of good info on there. And I mean, Chris, you know more than anybody. I I didn't know that we could be partner organizations until uh, until I saw that you were. So I was like, hey, right. I guess I will be too. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. Um, it is exciting. We're looking forward to we're looking forward to uniting, yeah. meeting everybody, uniting, and uh, yeah, jumping up and down. And, I get uh, to meet my my sober website guru. Yes. Oh, who? You. Who's coming? Oh. I'm kidding. Who is that? I am. Uh, I'm, I'm, no, we're no gurus. We're you know we're just yeah. we're just dudes with yeah. microphones. But we're, we and, were going to bring you a t-shirt. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, at least a t- you one a t-shirt. t-shirt. <laughs> um, right. And right. uh, we we have, I well, saw a whole new bunch. Can we talk about our merchandise? Maybe we'll do karaoke. We'll talk about it in a minute. Here's right. what I'm going to tell you. What? Hmm? <laughs> What'd you say? I said I said maybe we'll do karaoke. <laughs> uh, you do karaoke. I'll do karaoke. Okay. This guy has his own hang-ups, and one of them is uh, public. No, it's it's. Yeah, I can't imagine. I really can't imagine you singing. I'm so so up on stage. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so, social anxiety is my thing, um, mm. and uh, yeah, that. So, but we don't need to talk about that. Let's say this. Uh-huh. I want to say thank you very much. Yep, thank you for joining us tonight. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually think you're going to be back. And when we're done with this, which is right about now, Mm -hmm. 